but we're going to start by remembering one of the greats. Tony Gwynn passed away today. He was 54 years old way too soon, and uh, it's at that scary moment when you start losing your heroes. And uh, I'll tell you, Tony Gwynn was definitely a hero of mine. I uh, relate a story earlier on on, uh, on Eric Thomas's show around 10 o'clock about quitting a job to see Tony Gwynn's 3,000th hit. And I know that our next guest, the only time he's seen a Cooperstown induction ceremony was when Gwynn and Ripken went in. Jonah Carey joins us now. Jonah is, of course, the author of Up, Up, and Away, the greatest book ever written <laughs> about the Montreal Expos. <laughs> uh, Jonah, you can always also see on uh, Baseball Tonight on ESPN, and he is the baseball lead baseball writer at Grantland.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jonah Carey, and let's welcome him in now. Hey, Jonah. How's it going? We're okay. Uh, it was a great piece you wrote today. That you, uh, I don't know if you saw that coming or not, but uh, otherwise you slapped it together very quickly and very well. No, I didn't know anything. I uh, heard about it, and uh, it was actually longer. We trimmed down some stuff, too. But uh, no, it's uh, it's unfortunate. And one piece which didn't make it into the article necessarily, uh, which, what the hell, it's on now. So um, basically, I was 19 years old when I met uh, the girl who went on to become my wife. And I used to clash with her mom. She and I just had different kinds of personalities. She was a lovely lady, but we had different personalities. And I was a very hard-headed, snarky, terrible teenager. And uh, so we would clash a lot, whatever. And uh, they lived in San Diego, her parents. So I go over there, and she, the mom, wanting to make the piece, decided that she was going to take up baseball. She was going to do it partly because she was an extrovert. She would go to the ballpark, and she loved to talk to everybody, vendors and you know, randoms, fans, whatever. Loved just having something to do, and it was a cool thing to do, and she loved it. But the other thing was she really wanted to build a bridge. She wanted to try to... You know, she knew that her daughter loved me and wanted to try to find common ground. And so she took up the Padres. She became a season ticket fan, uh, holder. She bought signed baseballs and baseball cards and waved towels and all this stuff and did all this stuff. And she didn't have any uh, American ties. She, her family, she'd been in the States for a little while, but her family was Chinese. So she, this was very foreign to her to take up baseball. This wasn't anything, but she said, I can do it anyway. And over the course of time, she became such a big fan and, and, you know, made it clear to me that she was a big fan because she knew that I was. And uh, basically, we bonded over the Padres. And specifically, we bonded over Tony Gwynn. And and, uh, unfortunately, my mother-in-law passed away three years ago. Uh, But when Tony Gwynn died, you know, Tony Gwynn was a great player. And I appreciated him on an objective level like everybody else. But it, it hit me like a ton of bricks because... You know, this rapprochement that had occurred with my mother-in-law was basically because of Tony Gwynn. He meant a lot to my life in ways that Tony Gwynn nor anybody else would possibly know. You you, you mentioned the objective part, and I was saying that earlier. I was always able to separate my my love of certain players outside of my ridiculous Expos fandom. And and for me, one, two on that list were always Gwynn and Maddox. Hmm. Yeah, well, (laughs) Gwynn destroyed Maddox. Yeah, I know. killed him. 107 plate appearances against uh, Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox, I don't even think Greg Maddox gets enough credit. I think people know that he's great, but I think people sort of don't know what to do with Cy Young or old Haas Radmore, you know what I mean? But if you look at the numbers historically, you can make a case that Maddox is not a great pitcher. He's one of the three best pitchers of all time. (laughs) I'd probably put him with Clemens and Walter Johnson. So if you go up 107 times against one of the three best pitchers of all time, you hit 415 – with zero strikeouts, that's pretty good. Well, the numbers that I saw, I think it was uh, Pedro, Maddox, Randy Johnson, Schilling, and one other pitcher, and he had struck out a combined five times total in his career against these five pitchers. 
Yeah, yeah. He had that knack for, for the elite guys. And what's interesting about the Maddox, it may kind of make sense if you think about it in a way. Not that he couldn't hit a blazing fastball. He could. But Maddox relied on, you know, guile and, and movement and changing speeds and all that. You know, you could, that's not you can't that doesn't face Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn was a robot. He just spent so much time. He invented basically the idea of becoming obsessed with video. He just watched and watched and watched. He knew what was coming. He had the physical reaction time that he could. You know, okay, if he's gearing up for fastball and a change comes, no problem. He can always work that out. And uh, so it wasn't going to work on him that kind of stuff. I would imagine that uh, you know, like you said, he didn't strike out much against Randy Johnson. Or his Gwynn's numbers were not as good against Randy Johnson, and partly because that's because Johnson is a lefty. But I think it's also just because of that particular kind of matchup. I think a guy like a Maddox or a Glavin is not necessarily going to get Gwynn's number because you know the stuff that you put up there is exactly what Gwynn can handle. A, a, an incredible player to watch, and I don't even think I caught his prime because there was a moment where he was winning gold gloves and stealing bases yep. as well. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, I probably, I'd say I first you know, really formed real baseball memories in the early 80s, and uh, that was uh, right when Gwynn was starting his career. So I do remember some of that. There was a game, the Padres played the Expos, and I believe the Padres stole eight or nine bases against the Expos. You can look this up. Alan Wiggins, I think, had five. Gwynn had three, and someone else had one. And I remember listening to it on the radio distinctly at my grandparents' house. I would guess this would have been 83 or 84. Uh, and I've referred back to that game before. But, yeah, I mean, Gwynn was a terror. Him and Wiggins just used to run wild. And Gwynn could really feel, too. He had very good range and good instincts as well. You know, it's funny how we define prime, though, because that was a physical prime, certainly, that he was faster and more fit and all that. But if you look at his numbers, right? I mean, you know, he, he wins all those batting titles at the beginning, then no batting titles. Then from 94 to 97, he wins four in a row at age 34, 35, 36, and 37. And maybe my favorite Tony Gwynn stat is this. In the last 10 years of his career, and normally in the end of a career, guy declines. You know, we saw what happened with the end of Namath, the end of Vlad, the end of Carter, the end of everybody. Everyone. Tony Gwynn in the last 10 years of his career hit 350. That's not human. That's ridiculous. He hit 338 lifetime, but in the last 10 years of his career, including age 41, when he was a part-time player and couldn't move, I think he hit 320-something that year, 350. That, to me, stands out above all else and just says – a pretty unique kind of player, not someone we usually see uh, every day. Tony Gwynn hit 394 in 110 games in the shortened 1994 season, Jonah. Is that the last that we'll see of somebody flirting with 400? No, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in never saying never. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And, I, you know, I, first of all, Ichiro, I mean, was, he hit over 370 uh, at one point, and he had that kind of skill set where he had win like back control. He could flip the ball out of the shortstop's head. Right. But he was also outrageously fast, and the way that he set up meant that he was out of the box by the time he made contact. So he just had a ton of infield hits. So I imagine they'll be, you know, if I had to pick somebody, first of all, it'll be a left-handed hitter because you're going to get a few more hits uh, just on infield hits that way as opposed to right-handed. I think it'll be somebody speedy, and I think it'll be somebody with that kind of back control. You know, it's it's uh, it's a Gwyn early in his career, or it's a Wade Boggs with speed, or it's an Ichiro type. I expect that'll be the case. I don't think, you know, as much as somebody like a Miguel Cabrera is a monumentally great hitter, when you're slow and, and you're right-handed and all that, it just, you're, you know, pretty much every line drive has to drop in at that point for it to work. I think that we will see that kind of left-handed, speedy, uh, brilliant kind of hitter make a run at it uh, sooner or later. May 17th, 1984, Montreal at San Diego. The Padres won the game 5-4. Tony Gwynn had three stolen bases. Wiggins had five. 
There you go. <laughs> this I is correct. The, you, yes, you did. This is Game Night OT with Dave Kaufman and Jay Farrar. We're talking to Jonah Carey. Jay? Well, Jonah, you're talking about uh, nobody approaching or that it will be pros- possible for someone to approach the 400 average. Uh, there's an also, also another interesting stat about Tony Gwynn is that Every other hitter with an average, a career average of 338 or above, started his career before 1940. Mm-hmm. So think about that. I mean, yeah. so that I guess that's why Dave's asking, can it be done again, especially when he bat 394? But what's funny is that Tony Gwynn's batting average looked like it was from another era, yeah. from the turn of the century. It always stood out. He didn't look like a guy from the turn of the century, though. He looked like a power hitter, but he, he wasn't at all. This is a guy who, I mean, you talk about a cerebral hitter. I mean, the I mean, he's the epitome of that. Yeah, and, and even since Gwynn's retirement, things have changed even more. Strikeouts, are, you know, since we're going to have the eighth year in a row where it's going to be an all-time record in strikeouts. Plus, there's defensive shifts. So, I yeah. mean, you know, defense has gotten – scouting has gotten better and all that. So, I mean, you know, in a way, the landscape is even tougher now than it was. I mean, Gwynn retired in 2001. That's not that long ago, and already things have changed. But, of course, I would submit to you that somebody like Gwynn cannot be shifted on. You know, that if, if you really are going to stand between the shortstop and the third baseman, whether it's his bread and butter – Cool, he'll just pull the ball. I mean, the old and people used to say this about Ichiro too, and to some extent about Boggs. It was one of those, yeah, I can hit 30 home runs if I want to. I just choose not to, which you know might be apocryphal, it might be not. But I have a sense that at least Gwynn could hit, could have hit more home runs. Let's put it that way. But he would have sacrificed a lot of what made him really great. So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing in that way that the 1940 set is is pretty uh, pretty interesting. You know what's also about Gwynn, if you combine um, part of his 93 season. With what he did in '94, he actually did hit over 400 for a stretch of I believe it was 180 games. He hit about 407. Wow! I think wow! It just, yeah, which is unreal, right? <laughs> but it didn't happen to occur within one calendar year, so he doesn't get credit for hitting 400. But uh, if you had 407 for 180 games, you know what? It doesn't go in the record books. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Damn That's straight. Good. Damn straight. Yeah. And you know, Jonah, he wasn't known as a power hitter like you both just said, but I will forever remember the moonshot he hit during the World Series at Yankee Stadium. Mm. Yeah, that well, that series was. I mean, I remember that World Series very vividly, and I remember uh, throw, I think it was throwing Hitchcock throwing a pitch to Tino Martinez that was all over the plate, and the umpire called it a ball, and Tino hit a, I believe it was a three-run home run on the next pitch, and that was the end of that. But that series could have gone a different way. I mean, that was a big turning point that time. It was early in the series. Padres win that game. Who knows what's going to happen? And uh, you know, it, it's one of those things you look back. You know, we talk about franchises that have never won a World Series. There are only eight. We know one of them, obviously, which is the city that you guys are talking to me from. But the Padres are another one in San Diego. And uh, that was a real shock for them. I mean, I, they would have had an opportunity to do something interesting, literally, if, if, maybe just if that call had gone differently. And at that point, that's still going at the height of his power. He's 38 years old. But as we said, he's coming off four straight batting titles. He's certainly, certainly still a formidable player at that point in his career. Huge loss for baseball, and uh, we really appreciate your time to share some memories and, and talk about the great Tony Gwynn. Thank you, Jonah. Thanks, guys. Always good to talk to you. Jonah Carey. Follow him on Twitter, at Jonah Carey, and do purchase his book, Up, Up, and Away, if you haven't yet.